easy believism and the Roman road has fast-tracked salvation to where we can move masses amount of people into faith in Jesus. But in this process, we can't destroy God's method, which is discipleship. We can't change his program because we're afraid of the end of the world or we want certain members of our family to be saved or, or whatever our fear is. We can't destroy uh, his way in how people are saved. There was rebellion once in heaven and that's when Satan and his angels were thrown out. There won't be any more rebellion. That's why discipleship is essential in the salvation process now the battle is on the earth and we can't shortcut the process uh, no matter how hard we try because it's God who gives his spirit to those who obey his son welcome to the specific faith podcast my name is Eric today we're going to talk about the rise of falsehood the rise of falsehood because we have sped up the salvation process through easy believism and the Roman road, and we have crammed millions of people into faith in Jesus, uh, but they don't keep his commandments. We have produced the largest crop of hypocrites the world has ever known. What I mean by hypocrites, those who profess Jesus as their Savior, but they don't keep his commandments. He's not their Lord. Therefore, they say they are one thing, but they act in a different way. Now, you might think of the hypocrites as being the ones in the pews, but today, uh, because we've done this fast-tracking of salvation without discipleship for generations, um, not only are the people in the pews affected, but our pastors our teachers, our Sunday school teachers, and our evangelists, and some of our theologians are also failing in the ministry. And the gospel, for many of them, that they share, the gospel that they share is incomplete. It's incomplete because they too came to faith under easy believism or the Roman road, which means they don't know the rest of the gospel. They know about the death, burial, and resurrection, but they haven't walked out faith in, you know, the teachings of Jesus that are found in the Sermon on the Mount, which is also the gospel. Um, and so they share an incomplete gospel. Now, in the rise of falsehood, we have to look at what a false teacher is or what a false prophet is. And Jesus tells us what a false prophet or false teacher is. He says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, uh, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And he says, you will know them by their fruit. Now, that imagery is all that we need to know about who false prophets or false teachers are. Okay. He says, that they will come to you in sheep's clothing. All right. I, th I think that's very interesting because, well, let me translate this, they will come to you in uh, the name of Christ. They will come to you 
as a Christian. They're not going to show up and say, hey, I work for the devil. All right. If they did, you would immediately throw them out. Right. We would know that they were a wolf. And but because they come to you in sheep's clothing, it's more difficult to uh, determine who these people are. But they're going to come to you in sheep's clothing. And I happen to believe that the sheep's clothing is belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, belief in the Bible, belief in the virgin birth, belief in God creating the world. I happen to believe that can be a sheep's clothing because what better way to sneak into a church than belief in all the essentials, right? What better way to come into a church unnoticed Think about a sheep and a, and, and, and a wolf in sheep's clothing. They come in unnoticed because they're clothed in sheep's clothing. And so they're not going to show up and say, hey, look at me. I'm a false teacher. All right. They're going to share the truth with you. In fact, they're probably going to share 95% of their doctrine will be truth and true. But inwardly, Jesus says, they are a ravenous wolf. Inwardly, a wolf, the, the, the way a wolf will approach the prey is to devour it, right? To sneak in unnoticed and to devour it. And that's the way false teachers, false prophets come into the church and they use the people for their gain, for their uh, propelling them to the next step in ministry, to take their money, to um, use their congregation as an influential step to the next level. All right? And they're going to come to you um, but with belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that is not an indicator. Okay? That is not an indicator. Jesus says that you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. It's not their statement of faith that you have to look out for. Okay? They probably will have that right. It's what they do that will be the indicator. That will be the, that's what he means by you will know them by their fruit. If you just stick around for a little while, you will see their fruit. Do they begin to begin to be frustrated with congregation members and lash out to them against them do they become sexually immoral do they steal from the church do they rob the church through various different means do they you know uh, over time begin to manipulate people you know these are the indicators of a false teacher or a false prophet you will know them by their fruit. What better way to sneak into our churches than to wear sheep's clothing and then devour the people? In the book, The Gospel According to Barabbas, I write a section about the rise of falsehood. And, and all this that I've just described to you is very possible to us because false teachers and false prophets can come in without resistance among many of our churches. And here's what I write, that uh, this pattern plagues our nation and local churches today with the rise of attractive, 
educated, witty, successful preachers, authors, and singers, and theologians who lead large blocks of people astray with every wind of doctrine. They prey on the unknowing, the gullible, and the biblically illiterate group of people that are in our congregations. Now, what makes that possible? Easy believism, right? You don't know the specifics of the of the gospel. You don't know the specifics of his teaching. And so you don't know when the teacher begins to lead you astray a little bit. If, if he shares with you 95% truth, you don't know about that last 5%. Now, I give this example uh, where I live. It's about to be deer season, and I take my children out to shoot a rifle. Well, at, at 50 yards, we shoot uh, at the target, and, and let's say that at 50 yards, the, the bullet hits about an inch to the right of the target at 50 yards. Now, if you shoot that bullet at a deer 400 yards, you can miss the entire deer because it's off by one inch at 50 yards. You think, well, that's really no big deal. Well, it is, because when you get ready to pull the trigger at a deer at 400 yards, it's, you're going to miss the whole deer. That's why it's essential to know the specifics, okay? It's essential to know the specifics. But these false teachers will amass a group of people with their charisma, with their attractiveness, with their wittiness, and even sometimes with their wisdom. They have a lot of wisdom in some of the things that they say. Um, but when they fall, when these false teachers and false prophets fall, it is devastating to the people. It's devastating because they love their pastor. They, they've come to know things through their pastor. They, they followed them for such a long time, and then now that they've fallen either privately or publicly, it's absolutely devastating to people. And when this happens time and time and time again, um, people grow weary of listening to anybody. And this is the, the way that the people were in Jesus' day where the teachers were hypocrites and Jesus said they were sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. And today people's hearts grow dull and they've lost trust in their church, their pastors, and and you know that sadly we continue the same progress, uh, the same way of doing things. And for this reason, a lot of people have stopped attending church because they've been burned by so many pastors or evangelists who have, uh, you know, gained their trust with some truth and very likable people and yet they begin to stumble and then people lose their trust in them. But I want you to keep this in mind. God didn't choose good-looking, educated, witty preachers to share his message. He, he used fishermen and tax collectors. And, and remember, his own son was a carpenter. And the, the apostle that he used the most, which Paul, which was Paul, uh, was a theologian, but he had to put all that away and start making tents. 
And so we need to look for the regular, the regular people who walk by faith in the teachings of Jesus. And they may not speak well. They may not have the charisma, but do they walk by faith in the teachings of Jesus? Can they articulate the mystery of the gospel? And do they tell us the truth in love? That is who we should look for. The New Testament warns us repeatedly of how to identify false teachers and false prophets, false doctrines, and even sensationalism, which we have that today, where people will use strong emotional appeals to get their point across. The New Testament's struggled with that also. The book of Galatians is a group of people who started out in faith, and then people came in and used the scriptures to lead them back into the law. That's why the book of Galatians was written. Paul was making an appeal to them. He says that if they teach any other gospel, let them be accursed than the one that he taught them. The book of Jude is an important book. You should read that book. It has an indicator of how to identify false prophets and teachers. Second Timothy is also a good one. So is Titus. Read all, all four of those books. They dealt with the same thing that we deal with today. No one would listen to a false teacher if they were not 95% true. However, because our churches are biblically illiterate, partly because of easy believism in the Roman road, false teachers, false doctrines invade our churches without resistance. I mean, they just move among us freely. And, and we're biblically illiterate because we came to faith through the Roman road. Remember, go back and listen to that podcast because I'm telling you, if you highlight those verses and you don't know the crevices, you don't know the details, you won't see these things coming. False teachers come to us in sheep's clothing. I believe the sheep's clothing is belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But, uh, but Jesus reminds us that it's not what they say, it's not their statement of faith or how they come to us, but it's what they do, it's their fruit. What better way to sneak into our churches unnoticed than clothed with the belief in the atoning sacrifice of Christ? But you will know them by what they do. That is their fruit, not their statement of faith. Yet our churches hire preachers that they don't know as long as they preach the central theme of Jesus' atoning sacrifice and promise to boost church attendance. <laughs> I'm shocked at how we hire preachers today. And I, and I know I'm being critical here, but, but we hire people that we don't know, right, to come into our churches, and, and essentially we marry them, and we don't know them. I mean, we have an interview with them. We listen to a few sermons. We may, Some committees may even go to great lengths to go see them, visit with them for an afternoon. Look, you got to date somebody for longer than, you know, a couple of weeks before, you know, you, know, you ask them to marry you. <laughs> And, and we're shocked whenever they come and six months we start noticing problems and then by two or three years down the road we figure out that they're, they, they're, they're a bad egg. And we've, we've brought our, our pastors into the, to the fold and we've told the people, this is the guy. And then we have to fire him because he's not the guy. 
or we want him to hurry up and move on somewhere else because of all the troubles that he's caused us. Easy believism produces zealous false teachers who hide under sheep's clothing with a strong belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, all while producing bad fruit privately. And sometimes their sin is found out publicly. They replicate false converts like themselves because this is the gospel they've believed in. It's only a partial gospel. It's not the whole thing. They don't know that they are false teachers. Certainly if they knew they were false teachers, they would stop being false. Or at least we hope they would. I mean, part of deceit is you don't know that you're deceived, right? But if they were not deceived, then they wouldn't have passion for their message. And that's why they burn so, uh, so brightly with their messages, because they believe it. They... They have great zeal and passion, and they run, and they, you know, work hard, some of them do, and, and they go out and they proclaim their message. But the problem is their lives and their message don't line up with the Scriptures. And they lack the power of God that lives in the true born-again believer to keep them from falling down in these ways. And that's not to say that, you know, they're not human and they won't fall down in, in certain ways. But listen, when you, you commit adultery, you've done that a thousand times in your head before you go and you act on it. When you steal from the church, you've, you've done something altogether different than just, you know, having a short moment when you don't love your neighbor as you should. These false teachers, false prophets, believe that they have something to say. And so they put themselves into the ministry, and they go out and they say it, and they say it with a lot of zeal and passion. And they believe that everyone else struggles with the same sins that they do. And they sneak into churches and proclaim the forgiveness of sins through the death, burial, and resurrection, but secretly they are ravenous wolves feeding on the congregation. This, um, this is uh, the sad state that some of our churches are in. Not all of them. Listen, I know there are good churches out there, but I'm warning those of you who, you know, have come to faith through easy believism. Um, this is this is you are a hotbed for easy believism pastors to come in because you don't know the specifics. You don't know the details. You should know. That's why discipleship is so important. As a result, the gospel and its followers in these churches are diluted down and trampled underfoot by men because they have become useless in preserving the world around them. We are the salt of the earth, Jesus tells us. We're the light of the world. We're the only preserving quality in this decaying world. And if we lose our salt, we, what good are we but to be trampled underfoot by men? That's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He gives us that imagery because we must walk out these things and be salt and light. And, and now what we're seeing is that the gospel 
uh, in the hands of, of people, because it's a partial gospel, but because it's in the hands of people who are not salt and not light, it's being trampled underfoot by men. The world is dismissing it as useless. It has no power. I tell you these things also because I want you to be aware of falsehood that is on the rise. If you are a victim of easy believism, there is nothing better for you to do than to go to the Sermon on the Mount. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Read the Scriptures. Read all of them. Read these books of Galatians and 2 Timothy and Jude and, and realize these things are still alive and well today. And, and know that in John chapter 10, Jesus says that my sheep will hear my voice and, and they will follow me, but a false teacher they won't follow. And, and there is our hope that and no matter if you're sitting under a pastor who's a false teacher or false prophet or you or become weary from this problem, I want you to know Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He says in Matthew 23, call no one else teacher, but one the Christ. He says that he is the teacher, the greatest teacher we have. And there's no better way to, to hear him and to uh, learn from him than to read his words specifically. And listen, you can ask God for understanding. If you come across a scripture and you don't understand or you don't understand any of it. Ask. You know, James begs us to ask. You can do that. And if, if you're around easy believism victims or advocates and, and you're just now opening, your eyes are just now being opened to this idea, ask God and read the scriptures repetitively and continually and ask for understanding, and get your instruction from Jesus Christ himself and the apostles who have written to us and told us how to live. You have to do it by faith. There's no other way. Some things you won't understand until you do them. That's the definition of faith. Until next time, walk by faith in the teachings of Jesus. Continue to read the scriptures. And be encouraged.